All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. We'll give you just a moment to find your place and then we'll bring the message that God has laid upon our heart. Luke chapter number 23 and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 39. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39. The Bible says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into your presence once again today, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we do have to, uh, to be able to call you our Father. And we pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll speak to every heart. God, I pray that you'll be glorified and magnified through the word of God. Help us, Lord, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. And Lord, I pray that we'd not just be hearers, but doers of the word of God. And Lord, for what you do, we'll thank you, we'll praise you, and we'll give you all the glory and the honor, for we do love you. We ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to draw your attention here in just a moment to verse number 40. And I want to preach on this subject, on the theology of a thief. The theology of a thief. When you think about this text this morning, I know that if you're a Bible reader, you're familiar uh, with this passage of Scripture. And you're also familiar with the fact of these three crosses uh, that we read about here uh, in our text. We think about these three crosses. I'm sure you've heard it said many times that we see a picture of all different men that are in the, on these crosses representing uh, three different types of men. Uh, we see first of all in verse number 39, a dying sinner, as this man represents every sinner that is dying in their sin lost without God. And then we see in the second cross in verse number 40 down to verse number 42, a dying saint. As this man left this world, a thief, but thank God when he entered the next world, he was no longer a thief. And then of course in verse 43, we see a dying Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a man in verse 39 that's dying in his sin. A man in verse number 40 to 42 that is dying to his sin. And then this man in verse 43, our Lord is dying for sin. When you think about the man in verse 39. He's a very hateful man. He's angry. He's filled with bitterness. And then the man in verse number 40 down to verse 42 is a humble man. He realizes who he is and where he stands before God. And then the man in verse 43, the God man, is a holy man. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And also when I think about these crosses here, I call this first cross the bitter cross. The Bible said in verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. This is a bitter cross. When you think about this man, he, he makes that statement, if thou be the Christ. That proves that he's a man of no faith. He used that two-letter word, the word if. You know, if you take that word away and you think about what he said, if you take the word if out, thou be the Christ. If you, if you think about that, just that alone, save thyself and us. This man could have got saved if he would have took that two-letter word out. But that two-letter word sent him to hell because it's a word that represents no faith. If thou be the cross, this bitter cross, 
cross. He is a man of no faith. And then he's a man of no fear. The Bible even says that in verse number uh, 40. This other thief cries out to him and says, Dost thou not fear God? He's a man of no faith, a man of no fear. And he's also a man of no future. Because this man is never mentioned again. The man in verse 39, he dies bitter and he dies lost without God. He goes to hell and he's never mentioned again. And then there's the believing cross in verse number 40 through 42. And certainly there's much that we'll say about that today. And then finally there's the beloved cross in verse 43. As the Bible said that Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. When you think about this beloved cross here, I see that this is a man of truth as he uses that word verily. And the word verily just simply means truly. You know, everything Jesus ever said and did was truth. Isn't that right? He, everything he ever, uh, ever, ever talked about, his words, his, uh, all the works of Christ were true works and, and true words. And so uh, he's a man of truth. And then I see in verse 43, he's a man of tenderness. As he said, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me. What about our Savior in his dying hours? Is he, uh, his dying moments, as he's about to leave this world, as he's about to finish the Father's will and complete salvation, he still takes the time to reach out to a sinner that's dying in his sin and deliver his soul from a devil's hell. Jesus was the soul winner from the time he came into this world to the very few moments before he left this world. He was still rescuing the lost and caring for the dying. And so he's a man of tenderness. He's a man of truth. This beloved cross here. And also he's a man of treasures. As he says, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. Paradise is a a wonderful place, a beautiful place. And Jesus uh, uh, talks about eternity in this verse of Scripture. But this morning, I, I don't want to focus on the beloved cross or, and I don't want to focus on the bitter cross this morning. Most of the time when we come to this text, and rightfully so, we magnify the Savior. We magnify the cross and, and the Christ that is on that cross. But this morning, I want to look at, at this believing cross in verses 40 through 42. I want us to think for just a few moments about this thief that got delivered that day. And I want us to think about the theology of this thief. You know, the word theology means the study of God. And uh, this thief, though he was a thief, he had witnessed much from from the streets of Jerusalem to the brow uh, of Mount Calvary to the top of that hillside that day. He had seen enough out out of Christ and seen enough out of the angry mob. And he watched Calvary at a, at a close-up view, a front-row scene, he saw the, the Christ of the cross. And, and from that, this thief had, had developed some thoughts. He had developed some theology. And I want us to think about the theology of a thief this morning. You might be listening and say, well, now, preacher, you can't learn much from an old thief about the study of God. But I beg to differ that this morning. I think as we look at this text, we'll find out that this thief believed more and knew more about God in these verses of Scripture than a lot of people that claim to know Him today. And so that being said, let's look at the theology of a thief. I want you to see what this thief believed. Number one, I want you to see what this thief believed about his maker. Amen? What he believed about his maker. Look at verse number 40. He said, but the other, talking about this thief here, answered, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? What did he believe about his maker? I want to say number one, He believed that the maker of this universe was real. 
He looked at that unbelieving thief, that one that said, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. He looked at that unbelieving thief and he said, Dost thou not fear God? He believed that there was a God. And when it come to his theology about his maker, he believed that the maker of this universe was real. You know, I want to say to everyone this morning that we're living in a day when a lot of people, uh, they question the existence of God. But I want to tell you, God's as real today as ever has been or ever will be. The God that you and I serve, the God that you and I sing about, the God that you and I worship, I'm glad to report that in 2020 that he's still on the throne. Amen? He's still He's still alive. He's still large and in charge and he's still master of this universe and he's still running this universe. He's still the maker of this universe. And so he believed that this thief was uh, the maker believed that or the thief believed that the maker of this universe was real. And then secondly, he believed that the maker of this universe was to be reverenced. Amen. He said, dost thou not fear God? He looked at that other thief and said, do you not fear God? Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This thief may have not known much by this world's standard, but he knew enough to fear God. He had been brought to the realization that God was real. You know, death will do that to a man. Death has a way of just honing everything in to what's real and what's not real. Death has a way of separating uh, the, the, the true from the false. It, it brings man to himself and it brings man to the point where he realizes uh, his weakness and God's greatness. And I don't know when this man began to believe in his maker and believe that he was to be reverenced, but at some point he realized there was a God in heaven as Daniel said and he realized that he ought to be feared to the point that he rebuked his own his own uh, uh, other malefactor upon this cross here he said dost thou not fear God do you fear God today we're living in a land that doesn't fear God like they should I remember as a teenage boy uh, there was a slogan that came out years ago years ago that said uh, it's just a simple slogan people made bumper stickers they wore t-shirts and it said no fear My friend, that's exactly what we see in the world today. But the Bible says we're to fear God. We're to keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man, Ecclesiastes tells us. And so God is to be reverenced. And and that fear is what is to to bring us to the place where we recognize God. It's a reverential fear. And so what he believed about his maker, he had his theology right. He believed that God was real. I want to say I believe God's real. I hope that you believe God is real. He believed that God is to be reverenced. And I believe that God ought to be reverenced. That's why the house of God is a place that we ought to keep it right and keep it tight because uh, the house of God is a place to be reverenced. Amen. We don't treat the house of God like we do our house. When we come into the house of God, we ought to come in and we ought to dress in a way that reverences God. We ought to worship in a way that reverences God. We ought to treat the property in the way that reverences God. And not just here, but we ought to reverence God every day of our life. We ought to walk in the fear and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So what he believed about his maker. Then secondly, I want you to see the theology of this thief, not only what he believed about his maker, but I want you to see what he believed about mankind. Amen. Look at verse number 40 again. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. So we know what this man believed about his maker. But now what does he believe about mankind? He tells us. He tells us that he believed that man was dying. He said, Dost thou not fear God? Look at this, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation. 
He knew that he was dying. He knew that this other man was dying. He knew that they were guilty, that they were condemned to die. Well, if a sinner can ever see themselves guilty, condemned to die, Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, It's appointed man once to die, and after this the judgment. Death comes to all men. Romans 6 and verse 23 said, For the wages of sin is death. Death is upon every one of us. The Bible said in uh, the book of Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Death is upon us all. We must face death if the rapture does not come in our lifetime. And how you and I face death, it matters in how that we're going to live in eternity. And here this thief is facing death and he believed that mankind was dying. Hung, hanging on a cross, death never seemed more real than what it did in those moments. You know, today, every time we go to the funeral home, Every time we look at a loved one, we're reminded of the reality of death. And dear friend, I want to say if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never been to Calvary, if you've never been born again, you need to think about the reality of that death. Man is dying. We're not going to live forever down here. We're not going to live for eternity in this walk of life. And so I see that this thief believed that mankind was dying. That was his theology about mankind. He also believed that mankind was deserving. Look what he said in verse number 41. And we indeed justly. This man believed that what he was getting he deserved. I want to say that you and I this morning, in order to be born again, we have to realize, number one, we're a sinner. And number two, that we cannot save ourselves, that we're guilty of death and hell, and that we deserve that. Oftentimes we'll hear people make that statement when someone maybe gets a new car or a promotion on a job or, or maybe some benefit in life. We'll hear people make that statement, well, you deserve that. But you know, friend, I, I don't make that statement because the only thing I deserve and the only thing that you deserve is a place in the lake of fire. We deserve hell and damnation. We don't deserve one thing. We don't deserve the goodness of God, the mercy of God. I don't deserve to be born in America. I didn't deserve to hear the gospel at a young age. I didn't deserve to, uh, to, to get on a bus one day and, and go to the house of God and get saved. I, I didn't deserve any of those things. I don't deserve any of the benefits, a, a good family, a good wife, good children, a good place to worship. I don't deserve any of that. You know, God could have let me went to hell. He could have let you went to hell. And you know what? He'd have still been in God. But I'm glad, thank the Lord that though I didn't deserve it, I'm glad I've got grace. Amen? You know what grace is? Grace, my friend, is what? It's God's unmerited favor. You know, mercy, uh, thank God for mercy, but thank God for grace. Amen? The old saying is, is that mercy kept me from getting what I did deserve until grace could come along and give me what I didn't deserve. And I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace of God. And this man believed uh, about mankind that he was dying. He believed that he was deserving. And then he believed that he was depraved. Notice what he said here in verse number 41. He said and we indeed justly, now notice this, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. This man believed that he was a depraved individual and that he was getting exactly what he deserved. That he could not save himself. That this was the end of life and as far as he was concerned about mankind that this is exactly what man deserved. Oh, hear me, sinner. If you're going to get saved, you've you got to come to the realization that you deserve to go to hell, that you deserve to, to die in your sins, that you are dying, that, that you cannot save yourself. If you're going to ever get saved, you're going to have to come to the realization you're not a good person, that, and that even if you could be a good person, that all of your goodness is not good enough to get into the kingdom of God, that you must be born again. 
This is what this man believed about mankind. We see his theology about his maker, his theology about mankind, but then I want you to see his theology about his master. Look what he believed about the master in verse number 41. He said in the latter part of that verse, but this man hath done nothing amiss. You know what he believed about his master, about the Lord Jesus? He believed that this man was sinless, that he had done nothing amiss. This this thief had come to the realization hanging on Calvary that day, suspended between heaven and hell, next to the uh, dying, next to the darling Lamb of God. He was as close to Calvary as you could ever get looking over and seeing the blood that was dripping from his hands and from his feet and from his, from his side as he was looking at him that day running down his back, the, the very blood of the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. He was watching it run down the cross and, and, and shed all over the ground that day. And as he was looking at that, he was getting a clear view of Calvary. And he come to this realization that Jesus Christ was the sinless Son of God. I want to tell you, friend, that's who he is. Uh, he's the sinless Son of God. Jesus could not sin. He could not have sinned then, and He cannot sin now. For if Jesus could have sinned while He was here, that means He could sin right now. But I want to tell you, He was the sinless Son of God, and He still is the sinless Son of God. In fact, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through Him. And so this thief, what he believed about the Master is that his theology was that Jesus Christ is sinless. Amen. I believe that, don't you? I believe Jesus is sinless. And I'm thankful that I serve and worship a sinless Savior. Jesus Christ spent His whole life around sinners. As a child, He grew up around them was born amongst them in Bethlehem, grew up around them as a child, played with sinners, worked in the carpenter's shop amongst sinners. Jesus walked among sinners. He taught sinners. He fed sinners. He preached to sinners. He healed sinners. He sat down with sinners. He loved sinners. And here in our text, He even died amongst sinners. The greatest thing about our Lord is that He was not a sinner. Jesus was and still is the sinless Son of God. That was his theology about the Master, is that he believed he was sinless, and then he believed that he was sovereign. Look at verse number, 40, uh, verse, verse number 42. And he said unto Jesus, notice this word, Lord. He called Jesus Lord. This sinner, this dying thief, what he believed about the Master is that he was sinless, but he also believed that he was sovereign. He called him the Lord. The Bible said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I want to tell you, the gospel, the plan of salvation is simple. It's as easy as one, two, three, and ABC. If you believe you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that He's a sinless sacrifice and that what He did at Calvary will save your soul from a dying hell, if you're willing to repent of your sins and trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He'll save you. And the theology of this thief is that He came to the final conclusion that number one, Jesus was sinless and number two he was sovereign that he was who he said he was that when he said if you've seen me you've seen the father he believed that in him all the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily that God being a spirit poured every bit of his personality in who he was uh, in the in the person of Jesus Christ and, and we know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and, and this thief come to the, the theology that he, that he believed that Jesus Christ was 
sinless and that He was sovereign. Amen. I'm glad I can say this morning with my hand raised toward heaven that I believe Jesus is the sovereign Lamb of God. Amen. And so we see what he believed about his Maker. We believe. We see what this thief believed about, uh, the, about mankind. We see his theology about the Master. But then I want you to see his theology about mercy. What did he believe about mercy? Look at verse number 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What did he believe about, about mercy? Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I want you to see two words here. He says, Lord, remember me. Think about those two words this morning concerning the mercy of God. He believed in mercy. This thief is dying. And he's hanging next to Jesus who he believes now that he is sinless. He believes that he is sovereign. He believes that he's getting what he deserves. That he believes he's depraved. That he believes that, that he's dying and that he's deserving of hell. And he believes that, that God is real. And he believes that God is to be reverenced. He is be, to be feared. But in spite of all of that, this thief believed that somehow, some way. Jesus would show him mercy. Those two words, remember me. What do they represent? I want to say number one, they represent that he believed when it came to mercy. He believed that, mer- he believed, uh, uh, that it was possible when it came to mercy. He said, Lord, remember me. I think he thought about, Lord, when you, when you leave this life and you go into the next life, uh, Lord, would you show mercy? If there's any possibility, would you just remember me? I mean, here Jesus is leaving a, a world of cruelty and a world that, that has condemned him to die, a world that, that has beaten him and a world, and they didn't kill Jesus, but, but they, they tried to kill Jesus, but he laid his life down at Calvary. But this thief realizes that Jesus is about to leave this life And as he's about to leave this life, he cries out, Lord, remember, remember the possibility of mercy. He believed that mercy was possible. Do you believe that today, sinner? Do you believe that mercy is possible? That God would save you? Do you believe that, that that, that God would show you mercy? You know, God will save anyone that'll trust the mercy and the grace of God. He believed that mercy, that it was possible. And then he believed that it was personal. Look what he said. He said, Lord, remember me. Remember me. You know, I remember the day that I cried out to God and said, oh God, would you grant me mercy? Don't send my soul to hell. God saved me from a devil's hell. I want to say to you this morning that God is a merciful God. The Bible said that His mercies are new every morning, that His compassions fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. God's mercy is real in our life every day. It was real the day I got born again. But can I tell you something? The mercy of God was real the days before I was saved. God should have let me went to hell. And God could have let me went to hell when I didn't even think about His mercy. But God was still merciful in spite of me, not because of me. And then I thought about the day saved me. Oh, what great mercy I received on that day. And then the day since I've been saved, these 32 years that I've been born again, I'm thankful for the mercy of God that it's got me up every morning. The mercy of God has seen me throughout the day. The mercy of God has put me to bed at night and watched over me through the night. That's what the mercy of God has done for you. And I'm thankful for God's mercy. Oh, the psalmist said, had it not been for the Lord's mercy, we would have been consumed. Amen. And think about where you're at today. All the times that instead of giving us justice, God gave us mercy. And here 
here's a perfect picture of a thief that he believed that the mercy of God was possible. And then he believed the mercy of God was personal. He's asking for himself, God, would you remember me? Amen. Think about his theology and how that he believed in the mercy of God. His theology about mercy. His theology about the master. His theology about mankind and his maker. But then I want you to see one last thing this morning. I want you to see his, his theology about majesty. Look what he said in verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Now notice this phrase. When thou comest into thy kingdom. When thou comest into thy kingdom. This thief believed some things about about the majesty of the majesty of God. You say, preacher, what did he believe about majesty? His theology about that, about this majesty is that he believed, number one, that Jesus was king. You can't have a kingdom if you're not a king. And he believed that Jesus was king. He called him Lord. He called, upon, he called our, our maker God. And he called Jesus Lord. That tells me he believed that then the Trinity, he believed that, that, uh, that the maker was God, that Jesus was Lord. He believed that he that he was king, and that's who he is, amen. He's the king of the ages, uh, and thank God he's the king of heaven, he's the king of hell, he's the king of this world and worlds to come, and he's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this thief, his theology is about majesty, is that he believed Jesus was more than just a carpenter's son. He believed they was more than just a peasant. He believed that he was more than just a prophet and a preacher, but he believed that he was a king, amen. And I want to say this morning that that's, I believe Jesus, Jesus is king. I believe he's king of all kings and lord of all lords. Uh, and I want to say to our church, uh, our king is soon coming. Amen. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if the next time we met in a, in a local assembly, if the next time we met and we uh, come together and we, we began to worship God and magnify God, wouldn't it be wonderful if the next time we assembled, it wasn't down here, but it was in the air. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful on that day if we just all went up together and our next meeting place uh, would be in heaven. Amen. Amen. I want to say this morning that he believed uh, uh, that Jesus was king. And then secondly, he believed that, that Jesus not only was king, but uh, when it comes to this majesty, he believed that Jesus had a kingdom. Amen. I want to tell you, when you think about what he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He believed Jesus had a kingdom. Now what he believed about that kingdom is that it was not of this world. You know, those Jews was looking for that kingdom in this world. But this old thief, he had figured something out. He had figured out that Jesus did. He was a king and he, and he did have a kingdom, but it just wasn't in this world. And he believed that Jesus was soon going to that kingdom and he wanted to go with him. Hallelujah. He believed that, that Jesus uh, had a kingdom beyond this world. He believed that that's where Jesus was about to go. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he believed that he wanted to go with him. And I want to say, I believe that Jesus is king, don't you? I believe that Jesus has a kingdom. I'll just take the theology of this thief here. I believe that Jesus has gone to that kingdom and I believe that one of these days I'm going to go with him and I want to go with him to that kingdom and I trust that you do too. I would stop and say that this is not too bad of theology when you think about the theology of this thief. For this my friend got him into the kingdom of heaven. For look what Jesus said in verse 43. I'll call your attention to it once again as Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Think about what Jesus said to this man. What he said to this man, he said what he said to him was personal. Verily I say 
unto thee. Jesus had a personal message for this thief. Can I tell you, Jesus has a personal message for all of us. The message of salvation is personal to all that will receive it and accept it. The message of salvation is personal to all that will put their faith and trust in it. And then I want to say not only was this message personal, but this message was present. He said today. Well, what a, what a present message. The message that Jesus preached to that thief was present on that day and is still present on this day. We're still preaching the same message. The same message is what this thief believed. That there is a God in heaven, that our maker is real, that he ought to be reverenced, that, that man is, is dying and deserving of that death and depraved and cannot save himself. He, he's condemned to die. That message is still present in the fact that, that Jesus is sinless and that he's the sovereign son of God. And that, and that message is that there's mercy for all that will cry out to him and believe him, that that mercy is possible. And that mercy, uh, my friend, is personal. And that same present message is this, that He is the King of kings and that He does have a kingdom that's beyond this world and that if you want to go, you can go and you can see Jesus. It's a personal message, but it's a present message. And then I want to say this, it's a precious message. Look what He said, Today thou shalt be with me. You know, it really didn't matter to this thief. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying. He's drawing his final breath. His blood is is pouring out of his body. An angry mob has gathered around. They're screaming. They're yelling. They've stripped him of all of his dignity. They're naked before all the world to see. He has nothing left, not even clothes upon his back. And he looks at the dying Savior, the Son of God, and puts his faith in him. And probably the most precious words he ever heard come from the lips of our Savior as he said, Today thou shalt be with me. You know, there's not a period there, but... I think if there had been a period right behind where the Lord said that today, thou shalt be with me. To this old thief, it really didn't matter where they were going as long as he was going with Jesus. And can I tell you something, friend? If heaven was not a kingdom, but it is, but if it wasn't, if heaven wasn't nothing but an old dirt road, if Jesus was standing at the end of it, I still want to go, wouldn't you? I'd still want to see him face to face. I'd still want to see the one that, that loved me enough to rescue my soul from hell and die for my sins and died for your sins. And so I see that this morning. I, I see here that, that this message is personal. This message is, is precious. I, I see that, that this message, uh, uh, my friend, uh, uh, I see that not only is it precious, but also I see that it's promising. As he said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. What a promise. He he didn't promise him just some clothes on his back. He didn't promise him just a meager meal. No, Jesus promised him paradise. You say, preacher, what's so precious about that? Well, you've got to think about who he's talking to. He's talking to a thief. You know, all a thief ever tries to do is, is get ahead in life, steal and rob and cheat. What he's looking for, he's trying to, to get rich. He's trying to get gain. He's trying to, he's trying to get a hold of something precious, some, some materialistic things, only to find out this thief had robbed and, and, and stealed, but it got him nowhere. In fact, it just got him more poor and brought him to the place of poverty, that stealing and thieving, all it ever did for him was, was bring death and destruction in his life. It's when the old thief gave up. When the old thief didn't have anything else... To cling to, he clung to the most precious jewel that he had never seen before. That is, my friend, the sweet rose of Sharon. He 
He, he trusted that rose that day. And Christ saved him on Calvary's hillside. He died a beggar, but thank God he entered the next world a king. Amen. He was rich on the other side. Never no riches down here. But he left this world richer than a king. Boy, I thank, you. I thank the Lord for that. I want to say the theology of this thief was not too bad. I'm glad I believe the same thing this old thief believes. I think about that song we sing oftentimes uh, in the church house. And I like the second verse of that song. We sing that song, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. They lose all their guilty stains. You know, that's exactly what we're reading about here this fountain filled with blood. And on this day, I like that second verse of that, of that song that said, The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. I want to say, my friend, that this thief took what he believed and it was enough to take him to heaven because he put it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the message. I pray that you'll speak to hearts today. I pray that those that are listening, that I pray the Word of God will will help them this morning, and especially if there be one listening that's never been to Calvary. Lord, they, they may not see themselves as a thief today, but they are trying to gain life with, without the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to realize that they're condemned to die, that they deserve to die, and they cannot save themselves. But there is a sinless, sovereign Savior that will deliver them, that mercy is both possible and it is personal if they'll put their trust in Him that this morning that He is a King. He does have a kingdom beyond this world and they can go there and be there with Him if they desire to. I pray that the Word of God will speak to someone's heart and they'll be born again. Encourage those of us that are saved today through the Word of God that we might realize that the next time we gather together, it may be in the air and we'll see our King, eternal, immortal, the invisible God. He will be coming. We'll see Him face to face and oh, what a happy day. That shall be. Father, thank you now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.